Just before we get started, the Second Act Podcast would like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on Treaty 7 land inhabited by the Blackfoot Nations. This includes the Siksika, Pikani, and Kainai. We would also like to acknowledge the Sutsina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, as well as the Métis Nations and all people who make their home on Treaty 7 land in southern Alberta. But now that we've paid respects to people that were here before us, let's start the pod. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Second Act Podcast. And today's episode is one of perseverance and happy endings. Yeah, Chris Milne was um, sent to us as an option by a friend of the show, Charmaine James. And uh, she she knew uh, Chris from high school and a little bit about his story about, um, you know, being uh, a, a successful contractor, a guy who who relied on his dexterity and his, his physical abilities to make his living as well as, you know, his, his training and, and the work that he was putting into his body just to, to be healthy. And one day waking up uh, with some paralysis on one side of his body that, you know, he, he didn't understand. He obviously had no idea was he was a candidate for and, and how he worked through that. Yeah. And he talks about in the story, how the doctor said he wasn't going to walk out of the building and, that's where the perseverance part comes in because he was determined to walk out of the building. He walks at the end of his treatment, he walks onto the elevator. Although once he, the doors closes, he does put his cane back down cause it didn't feel very good, but it's all about persevering through paralysis. And now he's a personal fitness trainer who like shares these experiences and uses his past experience to train his, clients in a way that not many people would be able to yeah chris is uh the dedication and perseverance that went into not only his own recovery but putting his experience to use and in, in getting other people on that same path even if the consequences or the outcomes might not be so dire is is a great great listen uh, a lot of fun chris was really forthcoming about what goes into those kind of comebacks uh they're not for everybody and and chris uh outlies how, how he did it and, and what it took. So without any further ado, please welcome Chris Milne. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me on, man. It's great to have you on, Chris. And uh, we've, been, uh, we've been playing tag back and forth for, for a little while to, to get you lined up and on. And I appreciate you taking some time. It's, uh, it's always interesting for me to kind of talk to people that I have, you know, somewhat limited background information on only that uh, somebody who I trust thinks they fit. So um, why don't you kick into it a little bit and tell us about yourself, uh, you know, who you are, what you're about, and, uh, and what your story is. Uh, okay. Um, well, I don't know where to start. Uh, grew up in Calgary, born in Edmonton. Uh, was an athlete growing up all my life. Um, wasn't exactly the best academic student, but athletic performance was my, that's where I got my, my parents' accolades rather than my sister got all the, the book smarts. Um, yeah, I went to, went to high school with Charmaine, St. Mary's High School in Calgary, and then uh, moved on to other things. I went to school for information technology and network administration, and then I worked in that industry for about, I don't know, maybe less than two years. And then I always kind of dabbled in auto body and was working with cars, so I kind of went back to that and started a business in that industry, and then that kind of, the internet kind of started to really pick up then and that industry just faded because people were just doing everything online and selling things online and doing their own thing. And, and that was kind of old news and it's very seasonal uh, kind of work. So I moved on to 
construction. Worked with my father-in-law in construction as a cabinet maker. Uh, then became my own general contractor, and I worked in that for 15 years. And then uh, I was getting into the fitness fitness side of things. I was just kind of seeing how the industry was, and as as a gym member, um, just what what wasn't happening, and what I feel should have been happening with trainers and their clients. And it was very half-assed and it's always something that I was into and I would always kind of train friends and I'd get information and I'd try things and uh, I always give my friends like different plans and work out with them and it was never anything a professional on a professional level um, and then that's when that's when it all changed man uh, 2015 July 6th I went to plug my phone in and I felt this pain in my neck Something like I've never felt before. And I've always had tight muscles or something. And, and that's all I thought it was. And it, the pain was so bad. I've never felt anything like it. And I, I came downstairs because I didn't want to bother my wife and kids. They were sleeping. And uh, my wife heard me anyway. She came down and asked me what was going on. I said, I don't know. I've got this pain and I can't, can't stretch it out, can't work it out. And then I was kind of leaning on the kitchen island. And the next thing you knew, my whole right side just shut off. Uh, I don't know how I got to the couch, but I somehow managed to get to the couch and then my wife called the ambulance and they came and I never forget them lifting my hand up and letting it go and they said do you feel that and I said no I, I see you doing it but I can't feel anything um that was it rushed to the hospital they thought it was a stroke um did some CT scans it wasn't a stroke uh, I was admitted to ICU and then they did MRIs and spinal taps and they found out it was called uh so I had inflammation of my spinal cord from a neurological condition called transverse myelitis. And it's like two in a million. And uh, yeah, that was it. And then the fight the fight began. So uh, to that point, there had been no indication that you had any kind of a condition that ever may result. In fact, um, you, your body was uh, probably more finely tuned than the average body that you would see at that point. Yeah, I mean, that's what uh, a lot of the doctors have said too, is that the my background and being active and being in the gym and doing these things probably played a role in how far I got and how well I did. Um, so definitely played, played a part. Um, yeah. And it was, it was, it was tough, man. It was seven weeks in the hospital and then uh, just a continuous fight and push and you're being told statistics. It's like, you're not going to walk unassisted. This is, you're not gonna be able to do this. You're not gonna be able to do that. And then they were just trying to get you basically prepared to live as is. And I will, I was, I wanted to, I wasn't okay with that. I wanted more. I wanted to push myself a little bit more um, and find out what we could do. It's pretty discouraging when they tell you, you know, these are professionals and, and, and they're telling you that this is what it, what it is. It's pretty easy to believe it, but that's where you got to start telling your own story. Well, and I, I, I'm thinking, you know, just in your story, like, uh, you know, start going to do something like cabinet making, like that's a, a precision, um, yeah. you know, you're, 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 you know, with all due respect to framers out there, you're not a framer, you're a cabinet maker, right? Like it's, it's yeah. something that you, you have to do, you, you measure twice and cut once and you, you get used to that kind of level of precision. And then, like you say, you're always got the accolades for your physical abilities and, and, you, you know, your body was allowing you to have that precision career and, and you're, and now all of a sudden all that's taken away from you and you're being left with, you know, people who 
for a living, they prepare people for the worst and they're giving this, you know, athletic young man, all this bad news, but I guess they, they probably don't have a, a script for a guy who's a personal trainer to say, okay, if you work hard enough, here's the things we can do. And you had to figure that out on your own. Yeah, it, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of trial and error. Um, and, and a lot of support trying to find the right people to work with after and, and learning from people. And I, I humbly hired a, a friend who's a, he's a friend, good friend of mine. He's a trainer. And I, I, I remember going back to the gym when I was kind of back sort of mobile and I, I went to pick up a weight and I was, it just wasn't, it wasn't working. It wasn't, things weren't working the way my brain was telling them to work and uh, it just wasn't safe. So I reached out to him and a lot of people were very hesitant to, to take this on and they thought like that's, you know, like that's kind of a bigger, bigger mountain that they were willing, which I, I appreciate the honesty. Don't just say, it. Well, there was ones that were like, Oh yeah, sure. No problem. And I thought, ah, I don't know. Um, but, but he had, was, he took, he took it on. Let's figure it out. And, uh, and that's what we did. And I brought a different approach to things and he had a different approach to things and we kind of mashed things up and, and yeah, it was, you take traditional things and take, make them different. And there was just no, one size fits all approach. And it was kind of up to me to figure it out and find out and see what works. So it doesn't, and I still live with, with so many issues, but it, at the end of the day, I'd rather, I mean, I, I, at the, when I was admitted to the hospital, I remember like, I thought I was dying when I first went in, I was like, this is it. I'm not going to see my kids. I want to see my wife and kids. I, I was screaming. I need to, I need to see my family. I need to see my family. And then uh, when, once I found out that, I wasn't going to die from this. It was, it shifted. Everything kind of shifted. And it was like, you appreciate everything now. Even like, though it's gone, you appreciate the opportunity to earn it back. Because, you know, seven minutes ago, a day ago, two days ago, you thought this was it. And, and so then, yeah, you just shift the way you think about things, become more appreciative of what you had and just try to earn back, right? So can you walk us through, you said like once you were mobile, like what did that look like from, from, you know, you got that, okay, you're not going to die from this and, and here's the path forward to getting out of the hospital and, and how you're going to take that where you ever, you know, was it just your arm and, and your upper body or did you have problems with your, your lower body too? Or Yeah, whole body, well, like the whole, my whole right side from the neck down. Um, oh, okay. Paralyzed. Yeah. So I was paralyzed from the, my whole right side like a line drawn down, just neck down. And uh, the damage is C2 to C7 on my spinal cord from the inflammation. And uh, yeah, it was, I couldn't, I still have issues holding a pen. Fine motor skills are still tough. So I use a big rubber thing. I don't have it with me, but that goes around the pen so I can hold it a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and a lot of the training for being in the gym was a lot of grip work and stuff because my awareness on my right side is everything feels the same. Like everything feels like my hand feels like it's being squished and stepped on no matter what, whether I'm holding something or not. So it was very hard for me to know how hard I was holding things. Um, everything felt like I was squeezing it, but then it would feel like it's either slipping out of my hand or maybe it was slipping out of my hand. So these are all things that I had to keep kind of rewiring and trusting and, and, and just trying to, work with you know you're not gonna it's not gonna come back but you got to be able to learn how to work with it read different body 
parts to understand what other ones are doing and create that proprioceptive feedback, sensory awareness. Um, yeah, it's challenging. It's every day. Like every day has got to be remapped. Uh, the pain, there's pain, nerve issues. But uh, like, again, it's, it's, it's tough and it's a fight, but it, it, it's what I asked for. It's, it's, I wanted that chance. So here I got it and I got to keep reminding myself that I'm, I'm better now than I thought I was going to be or that everyone thought I was going to be. Doctors were telling me you're not going to walk out of here. Well, just off the elevator, just to show him that he was wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, as soon as the elevator closed, I put the cane back down and use it. But it was just yeah. stuff like that. It was you kind of had to use it as as, as fuel and and just well, work for it, right? And that's like a, a whole nother, you know, um, like the training your brain part of it is a different thing like as adults we kind of you know you never stop learning and all the slogans but i mean we gravitate towards things that we're comfortable with things that we know and even for somebody like yourself who was physically training their body um there's some mental fortitude that goes into that as well but again it's it's stuff that you like to do you've seen the results that that training your brain part of it must must have been almost as taxing as the physical part of it oh definitely i think I honestly, and I tell everyone this clients now is like, you're, this is more important than anything else. Um, your body's not going to do what your mind doesn't tell it. Your body will quit long before your mind quits. And, and these are just things that, yeah, you were forced to learn in certain situations. And I try to like, not, I don't want people to learn the hard way. I want to tell them like, you have, you can do a lot more than your body's telling you that you can do, um, yeah, it's 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 tough. It's remapping. It's all the neurological and like, but the exercises were different and different approaches to things. And and every day I I wake up and I have to remap movements and reach with my right hand, open up the coffee uh, cupboard, do as much as I can with my right hand so that it it's kind of wired to move and we're good and I understand where it is and what I'm supposed to do with it. It was it wasn't like it wasn't that easy coming home. Everything was dropping things and. Like if I'm in the grocery store and I'm holding two things in each hand, one thing in each hand, if I if I if I'm holding something in my right hand and I reach for something with my left, I used to drop whatever was in my, like consistently drop whatever was in my right hand just because I wasn't. We're just not. We don't realize how aware we need to be of, of things. And then when everything really doesn't work, you find out when you start dropping stuff in the grocery store. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I mean, I'm thinking about all the times that I just take things for granted and it takes a story like this to be aware of, of how your body's just trained to do these things by the time you're, you know, not very old. You think of, uh, you know, toddlers and stuff, the, the coordination that they have to do these things. And, and then when you have to remap that whole thing as an adult, um, it ha especially one who is used to their, their physical keeping up to their brain, you know, as much as somebody who is a physical, as a trainer would be. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, definitely uh, challenging, but I mean, part of the process. Well, absolutely. And it's just, I mean, that's the part, the mental part of it is, is the part that, uh, that it's, is hard to, for somebody who, who isn't going through that with their hands to fathom. And that's uh, it's, it, it, as you're talking about, like in the grocery store, I'm picturing myself deciding if I want this melon or that melon and whoops, I guess I'm buying the one that I just dropped and split yeah. in half, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so 
you, you come out and, and what's the recovery time on this look like before you're, you're actually like getting um, to the point where you're thinking about going back to the gym with your, with your friends and stuff like that. Uh, so hospital for seven weeks. And then once I was discharged, I didn't get out. I didn't get to the outpatient program cause I was on the wait list. So I hired a physiotherapist and he came to the house and he trained with me for must have been another four weeks, maybe maybe a little bit longer. Uh, just home, a couple times a week, he would come, give me simple exercises to work on, help me with walking. Uh, the weather was good, so that worked. It wasn't wintertime, so we could go outside and, and try to do different things. Um, and then I was in the outpatient program uh, for, it was a significant amount of time, six, seven months, Oh wow. I think. In the outpatient program, yeah, and then uh, and then I had gone on a trip, and I was discharged from the outpatient program because because basically, I mean that's just, that's they've done what they as much as they can. They they have a wait list, and I, and I get it. It would have been nice to still be there, but and then after that was kind of you're on your own. You got to figure it out. You can hire out. You can help. You know what I mean. But that was after that. That was recovery was either up to you, however you wanted to do it. So you're about a year deep by that point then, I guess, eh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So by the, well, just, so a little bit less than that. Yeah. A little bit less than a year. So by the spring, by the spring of the fall, of the following year, I was, yeah, it was basically on your own. And so at that point, do you have, you have a pretty good idea, like personally of what, what you think, like recuperated looks like or are you still learning something every every day when you go and, and do some exercises oh I, every day is every day you kind of learn right i mean every day is a different challenge there's different it, every day is hard and i tell people every day is a fight but it depends on what is the worst part today like the part that hurts or is the most painful or whatever awkward today might not necessarily be the same one that's tomorrow so you, yeah, you're, you're learning every day, man, like every day. But it's it's good, right? I'm in an environment where I get to kind of challenge different uh, movements and different. But I also understand the, how important moving different ways is for not just rehab, but for athletes and just humans in general. Like, things are going to happen in life that we're not prepared for, and we need to kind of be ready to yeah. come back from that, right? So are you a, a year in or, or, you know, eight or nine months later, are you uh... – are you thinking like I got to, you know, get back to work and start having a little bit of, of that kind of a purpose in your life? Or are you still a hundred percent focused on just the rehab and the recovery from this injury? Uh, no, I was actually back to work um, with the contracting side of things a, a few months after being discharged from the hospital. So I was walking around sites with my cane and still going through that. So I was still kind of at work. I wasn't doing anything physical, physical work. I was in the gym, sort of, but it was the construction stuff was happening. But I was going through a lot of legal shit on that side of things. I had guys that were trying to take advantage of me while I was in the hospital, and because I had sites and legal obligations to these jobs, and uh, man, I had to come out and go to court with these guys uh, while I'm going through rehab. So it was there wasn't really a lot of downtime. The 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 rehab and stuff kind of had to mix in with life 
that's incredible the the mental toll that that must have all taken on you almost must have taken a back like they're put the the physical stuff in the back seat to be being the that kind of thrown at the mercy of the court whether you're right or wrong is kind yeah. of immaterial at that point just trying to deal with it yeah yeah it was tough it was definitely a, a man I, I went in with adrenaline and i was really good and like i was further than everything so i kind of had this momentum it was like nothing i'm good and then you hit that wall and then yeah you're in court and you're doing things that i shouldn't have to be here like this is yeah. it's an open and closed case but now i'm paying all this money i'm taking all this time and it's just because some guy wants to screw me over because he, I'm, I'm not going to fight because I'm in the hospital and I can't. Right. And it was like, well, no, that's not what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was tough, man. Like, you know, the depression, the anxiety it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty heavy. And like, yeah, like you said, like the rehab had to take kind of a back seat while other things are happening. And then, you know, even really actually noticing that days down the road, like everything's taking a toll and you're stressed and, yeah, it was just a, a vicious circle of, to me, it was, it was tough. Man. Yeah, no, and that's, it's an incredible, uh, an incredible thing to, you know, sit back here seven or six years later and, and be able to reflect on that. What was, um, what was the, like the, the, without having to ask you to speak for somebody else, what was that like for your family, your, your kids to watch all this happening? Was it uh, something that, like, that's, that's another thing that, as the patriarch of your family, you're going to be wearing that stress as well too, right? Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, it was tough on them. They were younger. They're 16 and 13 now, uh, but they remember everything. And they were, I mean, they've been there through the whole process. They've seen it. They understand what's going on. Obviously when it first happened, we were, we downplayed it. It's fine. That'd be yeah. okay. We're good. Um, and it, sometimes you got to put on the, the, the masks you know around the kids at certain times be like oh it's, it's fine it's okay but at other times i think it's good for them to know uh the reality of it and how it's you know how hard it is and how, why is it hard and maybe why daddy's kind of sitting in the other room today or you know and you got to explain things but they're pretty aware of it and they're pretty aware they'd come to the gym with me so they'd see the process they'd come they see the photos and they you know, they were there for, they visited me every day, my wife and kids. If it wasn't for that support, there's probably no way I'd be as far as I am right now. Right. As much as I can say, like, I did this, and which I've done a lot, there was days where you'd fall, and if I didn't have them to kind of hold me back up, I don't know. It, it would have been it would have been a lot harder, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing about about that is the the people around you are so perceptive about things especially people that know you that well that you can only you know you're you only fool them so far and then you're fooling yourself so you need to have that and and, and i mean you're you're speaking very clearly that you're aware of how how that family dynamic works and it's just but it's always interesting when you thrust you know members of your your family into these situations how people react and it's you know uh you're fairly fortunate um not everybody's that uh that lucky but uh it's it's good to hear that um that when people are out there taking advantage of you in that side of the universe and, and there's that negative stuff there is some good karma coming back to you and you're 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 having um you know six years on you can look back on it and say those people were there to support you yeah exactly exactly so do you feel like, um, and I'm, I'm just curious because, uh, you know, I'm from a, a rural town in Saskatchewan where these kinds of services are, are, you know, getting more and more centralized. Um, do you feel like the, the, 
the proximity to to these uh, specialists and these and these doctors are is that critical or is this something that you had in you and and you you could have done if you'd lived you know in coronation alberta instead of calgary alberta or somewhere a little more rural that's that's a great question man um definitely being close to to things that are accessible that i would needed was huge i mean if I, if I couldn't have gone to the to lift weights and and learn how to do these things i mean sure there's other ways you can do it you know in in the middle of nowhere but that that just takes extra there's ways to do things but it's not as accessible you know what i mean right. no one's going to think i'm going to go pick up this log and turn it into a rehab device or something that you know what i mean so yeah i think definitely being close to to facilities, even within the city, whether they're across the city or not, is was definitely was definitely helpful for sure. And it's interesting that um, you know, especially with the way uh, some of our politics are right now, people talk about some of these um, services that are being downsized and, and phased out. And it's you talk to somebody who's benefited directly from it, and it and even the wait list that was occurring when you know six years ago when when you were needing it. It's it's amazing what some of the people uh, that we walk by on the street do for a living and what they can do for people's lives when they're given the opportunity to practice their craft, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I actually just did. I was connected with the Spinal Cord Injury of Alberta, and I did a we did a fundraiser for them a couple months back, and I went to see the facility and I got to see their neuro rehab center. They invited me to come tour it, <clears throat> and it's it's a great facility. But it's very small, and it would be good because once you're out of the outpatient program, you're on your own. And if that's the only place in Alberta that's like that, and it's that small, not everyone can benefit. But there's so many people with spinal cord injuries or other disabilities, such as my, my transverse myelitis, uh, MS. It's all They're all connected, and these facilities can help improve people's quality of lives and if there there's not enough of them or there's not enough of that equipment at general public gyms right and the know-how to use those properly right so is exactly. is that is that the type of thing uh that you're you're putting out into the world now with, with your physical training and, and sports performance or what exactly you know does does your your day-to-day life look like at this point um I've, with that fundraiser, definitely going to be working closely now with, with the Spinal Cord Injury of Alberta. See what we can do to, to create awareness, raise some money for the for whatever they're going to use it for facilities. Uh, there's a big peer, peer mentor program that I'm going to be part of with them, which is great. And I think my day-to-day is, yeah, I train different athletes. I train general pop. I train law enforcement. Uh, but the approach is always different. But it all comes down to what you and I talked about earlier. A lot of it's mindset, especially with the law enforcement. Like we, I mean, we we work them hard. They go hard, and they got to get ready. And I, I I tell them all the time, like once you get in there, they're not going to care if you're tired or or. So my goal is not to break you. My goal is to make sure that they can't break you. That you're going to be unbreakable, and that's what we're going to do here. And a lot of that is going to be up here, not just the sled pushes and the squats and the bench presses and the poles it's bigger than that we know you can do all that we need you to know that you can do all that and and then some 
And then with, you know, football athletes or baseball athletes, it's all, everything I learned kind of going through my own thing has been really enhanced my approach to, to training because a lot of it's neurological or cognitive work. Um, and, and we need to do that in, in everyday lives. Obviously, I'm not training in general pop the same as we're training certain athletes because some of these kids are doing some really crazy stuff, but that's more for the so that their bodies are ready for it on the field, whereas we don't need, you know, your mom and dad to be training in the exact same way. But the approach is different where we want them to be athletic, move well, be strong, be able to move through different ranges of motion. But we also want them to have a strong mindset and know that they can do whatever they need to do. And so what are the challenges you find when you call them general pop? Um, I, I find that. I, I know a couple of prison guards, and so I know the connotations that go into <laughs> them. But uh, it's uh, it's interesting. What what are the challenges that you're seeing? And, and I'm not asking you to make these broad sweeping generalizations across our society, but you're seeing a, a good cross section of people. You see young, driven athletes. You see people that are uh, looking to you for help to achieve a goal, such as a, a career. And then, as you say, you're seeing people that just want to maintain flexibility and range of motion throughout as they age. What, what, what are some of the, you know, things that you come, you come up against and how do you, how do you use your experiences to, to help these people realize those goals? Um, yeah, like you said, it's, everyone's so different. Like every day I could see four completely different varieties of people. Um, but I, I think with my own experiences, like before what happened to me happened, there I was kind of more like one way of, of thinking things. I want to do this or I want to do that. Uh, and then after that really got me to, I got to do all of it. I got to live in the shoes of every every person that I train, basically like athletes. I've been there and I'm still trained certain movements, athletic, uh, general population, uh, we have all different varieties of goals, lose weight, maintain weight, get ready for a, a, a marathon, get ready for picking up their grandkids, who knows. Uh, but I was also there. So I think I get to, I've been in it because of this situation more so. And so it's, I think it's just easier for me to relate to everyone. And everyone's got a different approach. And like you said, the athletes are usually driven and, and they come in ready to work. And, and everyone does, but there's certain, you know, I've had clients that they're like, just not into it they're i don't want to do that i don't want to do that <laughs> not feeling that and it's like and it's fine to a point you let them it's fine you know but at the same time you need to know why don't you want to do that and you got to talk to them and you got to relate to them and sometimes they're just having a rough day and you just need to sit there and shoot the shit and have some reps yeah. of some squats and do something easy and just get them moving and they're always feeling better after regardless so you know some sessions you got to kind of pull it back and make it more of a casual discussion have a have a chat and just move some weight around other times it's like we got goals and we got to do these things well and I, I feel like um you know people that would get through to the point where the, where you're training them understand your story and, and your background and and um you know as much as somebody who who is driven and uh it understands what their goal is implicitly and needs to be pushed to that point would benefit from your, your experiences and your training. To me, it's the person who isn't quite there yet and can look and see what you've used your mind to overcome and achieve. Those are the people that could really, you know, um, 
at the end of it, they're going to say, Chris was the guy that got me over the finish line and not everybody could have. Yeah. And I think that's the most satisfying thing to me is like, that's success. And someone asked me what success was my definition of success a while back. And I, I mean, it's a great question. And it used to be like, I want the house, the, the, the cars and the trips and the, and the freedom. And of course we all want that, but really it's like, it's happy. If you're, if you're happy, it doesn't matter how much money you have. Like none of that stuff matters. If you're happy doing what you do every day, if you're happy every day, if you're happy with your family every day, I mean, then you're successful. I don't, nothing else really matters. Right. And, and I think when I'm with people and I get feedback from them that they're happy with either their physical performance or even if it's a text message, like I feel better or my confidence went up or, you know, like sometimes I get, I, the, last week I got a text message from a young guy that I trained for the RCMP, trained him for the Calgary Police Service first. Then he went into the RCMP and man, he worked his ass off. And, I, and we worked together for on and off for a couple of years. And he texted me last week. He got his badge. He's been posted up in Bonneville, Alberta. And he said, everything you did for me, I'll never forget. And, and he sent me a couple of screenshots of just text messages that I had sent him just to, when he went out there and I was like, I'm not with you anymore, but none of the stuff we did matters. Like you're good, but this has to be right. And he's sent me screenshots of those messages. And it's like that, that to me is success. Like we, we did that, you know, like we got that. And that's, that's better than any, really anything else. And especially in this industry, like when you, when you know you've impacted someone in like a good way, that's a good feeling. It's, it could just be one person every six months, you know, and it's just, that's huge. And that'll always stick with you. That's wild. Cause that's, uh, that's like the last question I have on here. And I ask everyone, every pod is what is success to you? Does it look any oh. different than you thought it would? Does it still look like you thought it was when you embarked on this after, after, you know, you, you embarked on your second act. And, and it's funny because, uh, um, about half the people, um, that I've, that I've gone through with this, you know, they're completely blindsided by that question. And they're like, "Wow, gosh, I, mm, geez, I hadn't thought. Of it. And then the other half are like completely dialed into what success is. And they have it like right on the tip of their tongue. And, and I would put you in the ladder because you got there yourself. Cause you're like, man, I'm thinking about, about what is success to me. And it's like you said, it's not, it's not the big car. It's not the big house. It's the way you feel. Uh, after interacting with people and and maybe more importantly, the way people feel after interacting with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's great, man. I mean, I get to go to work and know that every single person that I'm going to work with has trusted me to help them get their goals. And that's huge. And then, and then for me to walk to work, it doesn't, I know some days you're just like, Oh, I'm tired. But to, to know that every someone, everyone you're, you're with today is going to get better somehow. In one way or another, we're going to get them better 1%, half a percent. doesn't matter. They're going to leave here today better. And that's, I mean, it's not a bad day at work, man. Chris is a great story. And, and like we talked about in the intro with Liam, it's a great story about perseverance and staying the course. Transverse myelitis, as I did some reading on it after, is an incredibly rare and incredibly debilitating disease. And, you know, Chris was very active and very uh, physically fit and used his, his acuities very, very much in his day job. So he needed that back and he had the ability to power through, but I just thought it was a really interesting story how he was able to use all those different kinds of um, tactics, the different 
treatments and then his own mind and making sure that he had the ability to power through and, and get himself back to square one um, and then and then so far beyond since then great uh, great story a lot of fun talking about a second act having to reset like that just an incredible story thanks so much for joining us this was another fun one this is uh, the second one back after our little um, hiatus and we're just enjoying it so much having the opportunity to sit down and talk to these people so keep them coming we have lots of good ones coming up we've uh, recorded a few more here since we've been back at it and it's uh, there's no end to the interesting stories out there so please remember there are no wrong answers no test at the end so make the most out of every day the second act podcast would like to thank ben sound for the intro and outro music happy rock that is www.bensound.com we'd also like to thank chin whiskers for the promotional consideration you can find them at your local tommy guns original barbershop amazon or chinwhiskers.ca and we would also like to thank you for listening test the microphone no mm, noise